This is Chris Faust in Half Court Brass, the Austrian ladies head coach, indoor, outdoor, A team and under 21. Hi there, I'm Cass Cuthbert, retired Scottish international player, currently coach and player at Western Wildcats and Scottish Hockey Vice President, and you are listening to the Half Court Brass. Hi, it's Ross Stott here from East Grinstead and ex Scotland player. You are listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hey friends, I'm Keely Dunn from FA Jumpers, and you are listening to the Half Court Press podcast with Teo McLeod. Hockey Dream Team is the 12th season of the Half Court Press podcast. In this series, we hear from a variety of members of the global hockey community, including players, coaches, umpires and journalists. In each episode, Teo McLeod speaks with hockey personalities about topics relevant to them and the sport. Then the guests give their picks for a six-a-side hockey team. One guest chooses a men's team, whilst the other puts forward a women's side. The debate is then, who do we have for a combined mixed-gender six-a-side dream team? Hi, I'm Simon Faulkner from East Grinstead Hockey Club and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hi, I'm Becky Ward from Scotland and Western Wildcats and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. And welcome back to the Half Court Press podcast. We are sat here today with two guests from within the UK. Simon Faulkner of East Grinstead Hockey Club who I've watched at the English Super Sixers uh, Indoor Hockey Finals. And Becky Ward of Scotland, who in 2019 won the Euro Hockey Championships in Glasgow. Hey, hey guys and girls, how you doing? Hey, hey, good. Hi, hello. For those of, of our hockey fans who don't know who you are, and if you don't, um, then where, where have you been? Could you introduce yourselves, please? Uh, hi, my name is Simon Faulkner. I, um, I play for East Grinstead down in Sussex uh, for a number of years now. So uh, I've been there for about six or seven years, um, coming out of Loughborough University, um, moved down there and then became captain of indoor and outdoor, uh, of the indoor and outdoor sides probably about three years ago. Um, and I've kind of loved every minute of it. Yeah, um... I obviously live in Glasgow these days Um, started playing my hockey with Dundee Wanderers Hockey Club and I play for Western Wildcats, um, but I'm lucky enough to be in the Scotland ladies squad at the moment, which is exciting. And just obviously being a member of, I suppose, Scotland indoor squad as well, which is my real love and passion. So still going strong. Yeah, the Scottish, the Scottish team. The uh, women's team uh, have been making some really good progress recently, haven't they? There have been elements of, of professionalism for brief periods, haven't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for an uh, outdoor um, game, uh, we obviously had a period where we actually managed to sustain our status in, obviously, the European Championships top flight, which was amazing. Um, I was really unfortunate to come down in 2017 um, in Holland and it was just really unfortunate I think it was a game we could have won and uh, other results were going our way um, and then we just kind of 
self-combusted on the pitch in a game that we know we could have won um, to come down. But obviously having the B division or championship, whatever you want to call it, we, I keep saying B division, I'm old school, um, uh, in Glasgow, obviously home turf, um, with obviously all the fans, supporters there, just great. And actually to win as well, like obviously we won, you know, you win your semi-final, you know you're promoted, but actually then to win and get a result against Italy, which we'd actually had some really sticky games over the last couple of years with, was just, yeah, great. So looking forward, obviously, to Euros in Holland in June, which is very, very close um, to see how we go. But again, it'll be quite interesting just with COVID and preparations have not been ideal. For those who don't know, uh, the Continental Championships in Europe is a, is a tier structure. There are four divisions for the men's setup. I think only three for women. Is that correct? I think so. Um, so the eight per per tier. If you finish in the bottom two, then you get demoted. demoted. And if you if you come first or second, then you get promoted. As a bit of a uh, bit of spice to qualification, I I I, I find a bit more interesting. Um, and of course, Scotland won it. Uh, won it in Glasgow in front of a, a sellout crowd. Yeah, the tartan, the tartan hearts were jumping. Um, yeah, interesting this year because uh, they're obviously no relegation, um, just put in place. So it's kind of a different, different feel to. It. Obviously, you want to go out there and do well, um, playing against these top teams in Europe, but it is going to be really tough. Um, but I think there is that little bit of um, breathing space, if you'd like to call it that. So we'll see how we go. Why is there no relegation? They've changed the format, I think, to kind of stop teams yo-yoing. Um, I think with the pandemic as well, um, all, all prep has been interrupted. Um, so I think the plan, and this is from what I understand it, <laughs> I'll try and explain it as best I can, is that, yeah, you'll have those top teams play. I take it the division below and below that will go ahead later on in, in the summer. Um, and then from that, if you are ranked in the bottom of the the, the championship you actually go and play off against teams from the tier below and I think it's just to give everyone a bit more opportunity to get more games in um, and also the teams that sit at that lower level to actually play against some top quality opposition um, so that'll happen kind of next year so I suppose there's not that two-year break because effectively if you get relegated you're on a four-year cycle to come back up um, and we, we've shown that we, like Scotland are a yo-yo team, we go down, we come up, you know, and that ha was happening for quite a while. Um, and I think they've recognised that perhaps that actually if we can keep more teams up there, then, uh, you know, it makes actually European hockey more competitive and, and of a higher standard. Some of the of the keener hockey fans out there might recognise the, the name Faulkner. Simon is brothers with Dan Faulkner, another top player down below Hadrian's Wolf. And uh, I believe your father is uh, an ex-Olympic champion as well. He is, yeah. He is. So, um, bef well, before I was born, that was. So, yeah, 1988, he was part of the, um, the Great Britain winning team in, in Seoul. Um, and then uh, spent many years uh, down at Haven, which is where kind of um, both my brother and I originated. Um, uh, when Haven used to be quite a dominant force, uh, always kind of won the English league, uh, competed in Europe from from that point of view. So, um, and basically watching hockey, playing hockey since 
as we could walk, um, getting thrown over the fence at the end of my dad's game to go have a knock around on the pitch with him, um, hitting balls around the change room, being picked up and dunked in the showers by by some of the uh, older team, people like um, Jimmy Lewis, for example, who um, he went on to play for England, Great Britain as well. So, yeah, always been around the sport. Um, always been kind of... Um, uh, yeah, within within touching distance of of kind of like the elite end, whether it's when we were very young, um, and playing. Uh, sorry, watch my dad play, and then obviously now where both of us are are kind of playing at the the top end of the domestic game um, down in England. How's is Grinstead doing? Yeah, well, I mean, so when I first joined, it was it, it was basically there was about three or four spots for someone who wasn't an international to play in um, where we had the likes of like Ian Lewis, Asher Jackson, um, Mark Leghorn. It was just kind of like a bit of a, a who's who. Uh, we went through a slight kind of um, downturn as, as those kind of players moved away. But we've now just started rebuilding uh, back up again um, with uh, a much younger core group um, as I move into the kind of the older kind of latter years of, of me playing. Um, so so it's, it's really good. We've got a new coaching set up with um, Tim Deacon and, and Dave Beckett. And I know I'm starting to feel old because I actually play with Dave Beckett, who's my housemate at uni, and now he's one of the coaches. So, um, so yeah, it's it's going well. We're still kind of in the mix for those kind of last playoff spots um, uh, within the uh, within the English Premier League, and, and always really competitive in the indoor side as well. Yes, we'll get on to a bit more of a focus on indoor indoor hockey in the second half of of the of the show where we will be picking our dream indoor teams, six sides. But we've got a few topics of conversation before we get to that point, if that's okay with you guys. There are now three different variations of hockey out there. There's hockey fives, five sides, indoor hockey, six sides, and outdoor hockey, which is 11 sides. What are your experiences of these three different variations, uh, what do you think of them? Do you like them? What's your opinion? I'll I'll go first on this one. Obviously, as I kind of mentioned as well, I am a lover of the indoor game. When you know, I think my first experience of, being, of senior hockey was actually mainly through the Scotland kind of setup, um, and then my club team worked really really hard to actually win. You know, we won our league for the first time ever. Um, to then go on to represent um, Scotland, obviously, in European kind of competitions. Um, so, yeah, I, I absolutely adore and love the indoor game. I think it is, you know, fantastic. It offers so much, allows you to develop so much. Um, and obviously, I've played a lot of outdoor hockey as well um, <laughs> since I was about eight years old. So, which, again, it just offers something different um, to that, which, again, I obviously enjoy it. I wouldn't still be doing it if I didn't. Um, hockey fives though I'm going to be honest I don't know much about it <laughs> heard about it never had a chance to actually play and experience um, experience the game um, but I'll, I'll let Simon go and he can let us know what he thinks of it so far yeah as, as I've alluded to before I'm a little bit too old to have kind of seen too much of the hockey five stuff mm-hmm. um, uh, I've seen bits and bobs of it on YouTube and it, and it looks quite cool as like a as kind of almost like a a gimmick to for want of a better phrase um uh, but i think like for me personally the olympics are the olympics for your 11 aside pinnacle of your sport you ask you ask kind of any kind of uh, hockey player international hockey player what do you want to win they don't say world cups they don't say european championships they say they want to win an, an olympic gold medal and uh, for me that 
that would need to be that kind of um, 11 aside. But I know that they're, they're quite, um, um, well, they're quite cost conscious now about, about the hockey in the Olympics. And, and when you kind of do the, the maths on it and you've got 12 teams on each side, so 24 teams, probably with staff and, and squad sizes of between 20 and, and probably 24 um, people that have to be housed, fed, um, Astros that have to be laid um, that may not actually be used ever again. I'm sure if you go to Athens and try and find the Athens Astro, you won't you won't have a clue where it is because it's probably always been ripped up and, and left to kind of go derelict. So, yeah, I understand. I understand that, um, that these sorts of things have to be cost effective, but I think there's there's slightly better ways and reverting to more um, well known um, types of hockey, like your indoor hockey, for example. I think on, I don't know, on that, Simon, about the, the cost of it, I think, obviously, I think their idea is that the Hockey Fives format could fit into, you know, your city centre venues and maybe, I know London did quite well to get like Lee Valley fairly central, whereas I suppose some hockey pitches venues might be out with and I think to have it in city centre would be great um, because, you know, lots of people around getting lots of fans and the crowds in. But then on the flip side of that, for like cost effective, there's there's going to be venues that probably could be multi-purposed. And if it is going to be a shorter format, shorter, you know, shorter games or less players, you know, you play obviously two games in during the day at Europeans, um, then like you could be using venues that actually might be the handball arena or a volleyball arena. So I think like that is one way, I don't know, they could potentially look at actually how do they save some save some money if that is obviously what what's kind of what's causing the problems and so like much of the, most of the time in like the perfect example there is, is handball because the goals are the same size the 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 outer d's and handball are the same size as a as an indoor hockey pitch so like the answer is pretty much there so you could use the handball for week one and then you can play indoor hockey in week two get both tournaments done less players um, probably more exciting to watch at times um uh, for some um uh, and it kind of fits in that kind of cost-saving model because, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the Rio Hockey Olympic Park is doing at the moment, but I'm sure it wouldn't be, wouldn't be as kind of widely used as as an indoor arena that that could be multi-purpose for a number of different events. That's it. Problem solved. We've solved it. That's Done. it. Easy. <laughs> The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts and interviews. Going through that, that conversation of um, a multi-sports uh, festival type situation, the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow in 2014, uh, there was a benefit to hockey with that, it came with that, with Glasgow Green. Glasgow Green was a legacy pitch from the Commonwealth Games uh, seven, years, seven years ago. And I, mean, I, I was there, I went to watch a few games and it's fantastic. And it's nice to have 
we've still got Peppermill on the East Coast, and then we've got a, a good another good facility on the West Coast as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, we were, I suppose, Glasgow's really lucky as well that Glasgow Green literally sits very central. Um, so I think in terms of, you know, for when the Commonwealth Games was running, getting supporters there was not an issue. Um, and you maybe actually picked up some traffic of people who were just about, out and about in the, the in the park next to Glasgow Green, which was actually used as a kind of a fan zone. Um, so no, and yeah, pitch is widely used by a lot of clubs. So hoping obviously after the pandemic that that continues. Um, but yeah, really lucky to have two great pitches there. I, I, I suppose this feeds into the point of how the sport uses uses these legacy venues is an indictment of popularity of that sport in that particular country and how organised the National Federation is. Yeah, well, if you take Lee Valley, for example, from the Olympics, um, the, the, the current, what well, the, the Olympic pitch for London 2012, uh, lots of it got cut up uh, to put to patch up the pitch at Richmond for I think it might have been a world lead event. So you had these blue D's on a green pitch that looked pretty budget, if we're honest. Um, and then the legacy pitch is actually now up at Sheffield University or Sheffield Hockey Club. I think it is uh, Sheffield Hockey Club's uh, pitch up there. So in terms of legacy venues, I mean, not really a legacy venue in London at all. But yes, you've got Lee Valley, which isn't which is pretty much on the same site but it's an absolute nightmare to get to. Um, so you speak to kind of any of the guys who have to go out and uh, when like when you make finals to go out to Lee Valley, to, to get there is, is a nightmare. And I think it does actually really put off people going. Um, and I'm sure you might have seen in some of the, some of the streams that you see Lee Valley uh, hosting the, the club finals and there's kind of one man and his dog watching plus the other teams that are on in the second game. There's not really anyone there because it's not necessarily an easily accessible venue. I think it's about a 30 to 40 minute walk from from the nearest tube stop, for example, which which doesn't really make it that accessible um, compared to other legacy venues that, that might be around. It's, I was just going to say on that, it's quite interesting though, because... Like, as you've just said, so we're speaking about Glasgow, the Commonwealth Games legacy venue, um, and that was obviously built for the Games. Luckily, it's still used. But then now we've just discussed, you know, the London, Rio, Athens. Like, none of those venues stay around anyway. So actually having a game which can go somewhere else, as I say, multi-purpose venue, seems to be obviously better suited anyway. Which was the idea behind Hockey Fives, wasn't it? Similar to the 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 glass see through courts for squash, wasn't it? Going to play in these great locations. Could that be transferred into a sit-to-side format? Basically, this is a, a question of aesthetic. Do we prefer playing hockey fives or watching hockey fives over the sit-to-side shorthand? I think I think the hockey far Well, the, the problem is. So I'm obviously very involved in hockey and, and kind of really know what I'd hope. I really know, hope I'd know my stuff, but I don't really have a clue what's going on with it. It's a little bit like, so it's a little bit like with um, the hundred that they're just releasing with the cricket, which is changing all the kind of terminology and the rules and everything like that. And nobody actually really knows what's going on. Um, and it's the same with the hockey five. So I think like there isn't any D's, is it? I think you just shoot in the attacking half and, and all these kind of random things and you sort of play off the walls, but you can't. Um, so even someone like me who knows quite a lot about their hockey, like I don't actually really understand what's going on with it. And I know the argument would be, well, some people don't watch indoor hockey, so they wouldn't have a clue either. But 
yeah, it just seems like I've used the word like gimmick before, which isn't quite the right word, but it seems like you're overcomplicating or changing something for changing its sake. When actually, if you want to kind of attract people to kind of watch the sport and, and kind of be involved in the sport and that legacy, then you need to have it have something that people can relate to. So people don't go and watch people don't go and watch five side football on a weekend, do they? They want to go watch and play eleven aside full pitch football rather than something that's been changed and they call goals, I don't know, points and, and different things like that. So um, yeah, yes, you could go with a simpler, different format, but maybe not something that kind of completely changes how the game is played and the kind of fundamentals. Again, with the rules and just, yeah, Simon, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I can't say we've even watched much of it. Um, but obviously even just that about shooting from in the attack in half and I'm like, the danger element of that hence you know we went back and the rules that brought in you can't smash the ball straight in the d and yet we were letting people shoot i presume the area is quite big to make it more exciting um but that that would worry me i would wonder to see how that actually pans out i was i was watching a bit of hockey fives on um the the watch.live fih streaming channel the Indians put on a little mixed, mixed gender league. The shooting from distance seemed to be a response to fatigue. Because you had that one less player, you had to work harder to get the ball into the right place. So people got tired and went, smash it. I think when the indoor game as well changed to four, you know, four outfield players, uh, and that was a bit mad. Um, I remember just the tactic changes, um, how the game was played, obviously just changed dramatically. And it went from, you know, being slightly more tactical to being a bit more, let's just run with the ball. Um, and I know in the women's game, it, it and changed dramatically. And then obviously we went back to the, the five-a-side version, I presume probably for potentially a bit of fatigue. And just to make it, I suppose, more fatigue, the less competitive it sometimes gets, because it just gets a bit scrappy. So I, I get what you're saying about that with the hockey fives, yeah, getting the Dean shoot because you're knackered, and but you, you you can shoot from anywhere, so let's just go for it. Yeah, and when, and when we had it, when we had it, when we when they took a player off for the for the indoor, it basically turned into basketball and actually became much less enjoyable because there there actually wasn't kind of the quality of shots. You kind of limited people to like shooting from the corner and and kind of taking what they could instead of just kind of working something for to be a bit better and it just ended up like basketball and then fast break if you could catch them without the goalkeeper on the pitch before they changed that rule as well so yeah taking a number off it sounds fantastic you think oh brilliant more goals more goals more goals but actually it, it does fundamentally change it and actually uh, if you ask the players when they took a player off in the in the indoor I think probably 95% of people didn't didn't really enjoy it if we're honest let's focus a bit, a bit more on indoor hockey we've spoken about what we perhaps don't like so much about hockey fives. What is the the better qualities of indoor hockey? Oh, I think it's just a, an all-round more skillful game. There's, there's basically no hiding. Um, you can have some of the most, um, you can have some of the most incredible outdoor skilled hockey players. They come to indoor and they just can't do it. Um, it it's such a, it's such a big focus on your, on your technical abilities that I think it's, that that's, that's part of the reason why I think it's so good. And I believe just because it's much quicker as well, it, it kind of really, it really pushes you to be on top of your game the whole time. Simon, when I spoke to you uh, after the English finals, you said to me that 
I think I think you just lost the semi final, but it was a hell of a final. It was like one of the best games I saw that day, men or women. And you're saying that that's actually quite rare because of the lack of indoor hockey available in in England in the UK. One thing that stuck with me was you saying that the players are asking and wanting more indoor hockey. The coaches are wanting more indoor hockey, but the national governing body isn't giving more any any more indoor hockey. Why do you think that is? Well, uh, like just to kind of give some background, our league, our league is two weekends, that, and that's it. So you play eight games over four days, and and that's it. And it, it becomes quite frustrating because you spend all this time building up, and it, it's literally over in, in well that year. I think it was over in four weeks, including the break in between the the league and the finals. So I think a because people really enjoy it, more of it. I know, the, I know there's difficulty with um, finding kind of sports hall availability. So I know in the UK, it's very difficult to find um, that indoor space for, for maybe to extend that league. I, I think with maybe the exception of um, Canterbury and maybe one or two other clubs, we, at East Grinstead, we're basically one of the only clubs with our own indoor hall that we can practice in. So I think there's cost implications from there as well. Um, England hockey and GB hockey, their funding is based on their Olympic performance. The Olympics are outdoor hockey so obviously they have to focus on their internationals and kind of what they're doing so that means they have to focus on the outdoor hockey so at times it can kind of be a little bit like we've just got to kind of squeeze the squeeze the indoor hockey in tick a box and and kind of move on which is a shame because actually I think they the most kind of supporters they get outside of the international hockey every year is at the super sixes because people enjoy coming to it. it's a good day out and if we can improve the quality of that you're going to attract more supporters i mean it was quite noticeable how many how many less supporters were there the year after it went to five aside when it became a little bit boring and, and stagnant so yeah i think part of it is is kind of gb hockey the, the the people that pay the bills are uk sport and they have to medal and, and achieve at international levels so they have to focus on the outdoor game and concentrate on the internationals um and there is a facility aspect as well so um i spent a year playing out in in germany and we had three or four different training venues just around our club because all the all the sports was over there are set up for indoor um set up for handball which is the same size as indoor hockey which makes things very very easy so yeah it's a it's a big mix of factors um the players want more so that, that's kind of what we're trying to push for if if english and Brit british hockey players were better indoor would that have a knock-on effect a positive knock-on effect to their level of size olympic cycle yes i think it would i think not only because not only for those internationals, but you you look at just like the standard of the league. Like you're going to have like within our league, you're kind of number 14, 15, 16, maybe in, a, in every single squad aren't necessarily going to have good fundamental um, kind of hockey skills. When you look at other countries, so that, that year I played out in Germany, like your number 16 coming off the bench wouldn't miss trap a ball. They pass everything on the floor. They tackle properly. Um, their, their core fundamental skills are really, really good, but that's not necessarily sorry, the, the case in this country. Um, and then if you make the league better, you make a better kind of competitive environment for the internationals uh, and for those people who are potentially looking to get into the, the centralised programme as well. So I think it benefits everyone, it benefits the skills of the current internationals and it benefits the kind of standard of domestic hockey as well at the same time. Becky Ward of Scotland. Why should the Scots play more indoor hockey? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything Simon said. I think in terms of do basic skills and they just improve dramatically with it. If you think about it, you're in an enclosed space, 
and you're going to get closed down really quickly. Your decision making as well has to be absolutely on point because there's no room for error. So I think as a nation, especially for Scotland as well, um, you know, to develop those skills to then put into our, an, our outdoor game would be obviously amazing. And obviously everyone everyone's involved in a game of indoor hockey. You know, no one can be caught sleeping if the team needs to work together. And I think, again, that's really, really important. The Half Court Press is on social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. What format should be at the Olympic Games? Five aside, hockey fives, indoor hockey, six aside, or the full-blown outdoor 11 aside? If, unfortunately, they're going down the route of having to cut hockey in its current format from 11 aside, um, you know, I would love to see indoor hockey over the outdoor game. Um, it's obviously been a Scot, it's an interesting situation you find yourself in when, you know, we maybe don't have, I suppose, as many people playing in, in, in the Olympics. Um, it's obviously great for those who, who make, make it that far and get that opportunity. But I just think the indoor game would be more exciting. So if we were going down the route of having to come away from the 11 asides to go to a shorter format, then I would 100% be pushing for indoor hockey. Um, I think we can have them in venues. People like being inside. If it's going to be an Olympic Games where you're London or I was about to say a country which maybe doesn't have the sunshine all the time, people enjoy being inside where they know they're guaranteed of the weather. They're not going to get soaked. They're not going to get fried. Um, with that format as well, I'm sure Hockey Fives would have multiple games in a day. But that's what's so great about indoor hockey as well. Like what you were saying, Simon, about, you know, your Super Sixes people enjoy it because they don't actually just come and watch one game or two games there's loads of games in a day which you get you get to watch um so yeah i would definitely be pushing for actually indoor hockey over the hockey fives in the shorter format the world rankings in indoor hockey uh, are slightly different there are a few surprised nations who do really well austria are like one of the best teams in the world in indoor hockey, and but they're nowhere near the, the, the top 10 in, in the outdoor game. If the Scots took it a bit more seriously, do you think they could do really well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I watched the Indoor World Cup 2018, um, and obviously the Iran men did amazing. And it actually just frustrates me as a Scot who loves indoor hockey, because I actually look at that and think that that could be us. Um, like I played, I was lucky enough to play in the Euro Championships in twin, I think it was 2008 and 2010. Um, and it was in Spain. And then we went to Germany. Um, and unfortunately, we got relegated. Um, and we've never made it back into that top flight. But actually, when we were there, you know, it was an amazing opportunity. And I think a bit like that, the funding and the amount of effort that gets put into indoor hockey from governing bodies in Britain is just unfortunately not, not there. But actually, we could be one of the top nations. Again, you look at the current or the placings from the, the World Cup, Switzerland are up there in the women's game. And, you know, they're obviously 
they seemed to be quite excited about the hockey fives. You know, one of their their, their players was quoted about being able to kind of be up there with some of the best in the world because it allows them to do that because there's less players. So you don't need to have the depth, um, which I think, you know, but actually it's funny because your team's really good at indoor. So you've already got that there. And again, so how do we actually get more focus and more attention to the indoor game to to to, to like to showcase it because it's good and it gives any you know these nations a shot talking about depth depth of talent in the current Scottish ladies uh, squads Amy Gibson your goalkeeper I believe is an indoor uh, Bundesliga champion mm-hmm. yeah she plays at Club Ander Alster in Germany yeah Nikki Cochran, I believe, has been capped several times by GB Outdoor. Emily Dark is uh, GB uh, Elite Development Programme. Charlotte Watson's tearing the field up in the Pro League. Quite a strong six-a-side team there. Yeah, I mean, on those players specifically, I've never actually, I don't know if I've ever seen Sarah Robertson play indoor. I was, you know, I'm privileged enough because Emily and Charlotte both played with me at club. So Emily's skill set is just absolutely suited to the indoor game because she can sling a ball like nothing else. Her short corner threat is 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 there. And Charlotte's just, again, we've been brought up playing indoor in Dundee. So, you know, she's got great indoor skills as well. And it, it does transfer into her, her indoor game. Isn't isn't Emily Dark, like, incredibly intelligent as well? She's doing some, like, <laughs> proper hardcore degree somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, she's at St Andrews University um, and obviously is also, I think now, I don't want to get it wrong, she's in the RAF, so she's training to be a gunner and I think she's like the first female gunner um, and I think the quote was something like, well, I'd be the one, I'd rather be the one shooting at them than them shooting at me, <laughs> I think was, was what she said. So fair play to her. Um, and the thing is, she's so lovely. Um, so it, it's kind of a bit of a, yeah, a co- contrast of you're so lovely, RAF Gunner. Yeah. <laughs> so, what about yourself, Simon? What format do you think should be at the Olympics? Uh, well, <clears throat> I, I'm as much as I love the indoor hockey and and everything about those along those lines. Um, I'm still quite a bit traditionalist as well. Like I said before, like it, it, the Olympics is the pinnacle of hockey, and and I would quite like to see the Lebanon side continue. But if um, because I know hockey had a bit of a shock, I think, when the, the voting for which sports would be in Tokyo and beyond, and it, it nearly got booted out. Um, I think if it did have to change it, it change its tack, then it would probably have to go in, in the indoor route. And uh, and like I say, it, it would be quite interesting to open it up that way because it would give other nations a chance to have a look at it. So, for example, that Austrian team that you mentioned on the men's side, most of those guys all play all play the top level club hockey in Germany um, or, or they all play pretty much at the same club in, in Austria and, and they're very, very good hockey players. But on the outdoor game, when uh, when when the, when it looks a lot more at kind of, if you're quick, if you're athletic, those sorts of things, it, it can kind of hold them back. Weirdly, we, we played against, with these Greens, we played against a Turkish team that had some of the Iranian indoor players in them and they were, they were insane. Like, like, unbelievably skilled unbelievably good but they'll never have the exposure because they 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 play in a country that's never going to be be able to compete in an 11 side game and therefore never kind of really get that recognition so so yeah like 11 side should continue but if it had to change it it needs to be that indoor uh indoor game rather than hockey fives obviously hockey especially north of the border 
you know, the weather can have a huge impact on season. And, uh, you know, when we were actually preparing for the Gold Coast, we got snow so bad. Like, we had a terrible bout of snow. We were meant to be playing, you know, um, a competitive, I think it was a test. I think it was actually against Ireland um, before going out. um, And the pitch was obviously completely covered in snow. Um, We actually offered to go around and clear it ourselves. And then I think we realised that task is actually a very big task because it was really deep. Um, so like, I remember our prep running into the Gold Coast was not as we wanted it. And I just think that that potentially is an advantage of indoor hockey. You don't need, you know, these outdoor venues. You can play all year round regardless um, and you don't need to wait for good weather. So another little... That's why you have like the, the Russians, the Poles, those sorts of sides are so good because they quite literally cannot get outside for six months of the year. So you turn up and play against these random people that outdoor, you, you kind of think... <laughs> like who are these people and then you play against Mindor and you're picking the ball out your net every every two minutes um, because they just get so much more exposure to because they quite literally can't play outside um, for, for six months a year if not more and if it is too hot you just switch the aircon on yeah it does work all year it round does level that, that's what it does though as well because it levels the playing field because everyone obviously facilities are an issue but I find that in Scotland we've got you know issues with clubs finding outdoor pitches um, you know there's been in St Andrews, I think there was one of the hockey pitches they wanted to change and lay like a, a 3G, 4G, you know, and, and then the hockey club were like, we would have literally nowhere to play if you did that. Um, so, yeah, I, there's always going to be issues with trying to find indoor halls anyway. But for every country around the world, the weather would not like take it out of the equation. The previous recording to this that I did was an umpiring special. And the male guest uh, is Duncan Rosick. Don't know if you know him, Becky. Yeah. He's uh, one of the top uh, up-and-coming Scottish umpires. And he's just been promoted to the top tier of uh, EHF uh, indoor. Uh, One of his picks was um, Johan Bjorkman from Sweden. And he's saying if he was from any other country, if he was from Central Europe, he'd be known by everyone. Yeah, so he plays, a, um, we played against him in one of the our club indoors. He used to play for Harvesterhuda um, before he then moved back to his Swedish side. But his Swedish side, um, Partile, so they win their league every single year without any kind of problem. But they're a good, good team. Um, again, they say they, they basically don't play any outdoor hockey at all because of the, the, the three months of summer that they get is the only time they can actually play. So um, it, they benefited so much from indoor hockey and it gives them the ability to kind of get that exposure and play abroad. But it's very difficult them to do that unless basically unless they're known so he was a very very good uh indoor player but he could also play a bit of outdoor hockey but the rep because the rest of them don't get that exposure they don't get that they don't get that opportunity to come across and, and play maybe in central europe and have that opportunity to play indoor and outdoor hockey the half court press is a multi-sport media outlet you can check out our articles opinion pieces and pdf magazines on our website, www.halfcourtpressmagazine.com. So, this is the fun bit, the interesting bit, where we now talk about our dream team, specifically for indoor hockey. Simon Faulkner will pick six male players and 
give a coach as well, someone that you would want to manage or coach the team. Becky Ward will then give her women's side. And then the debate is, who do we have for an equally amazing dream team? Three men, three women from, from either, either selection. If you two can't find a, an agreement, I have to adjudicate. So <laughs> your reasoning will potentially carry some favour. Uh, so um, I'm going to start off with uh, a goalkeeper. Uh, so at East Prince, we've been actually very, very lucky with our goalkeepers over the years. So on, on one hand, I've got two to pick from. So I've got Patrick Smith, who uh, a good friend of mine, our indoor goalkeeper, uh, must be for the last five, six years, um, won multiple national titles with him, played in the indoor, uh, won goalkeeper of the tournament at the last indoor Euros that we went to as a club. But unfortunately, I'm not able to pick Paddy at this time. We've also have been or been very lucky to have Philip Noyce, the Czech goalkeeper, play for us as well. Um, and part of the reason why Noyce gets the gets the pick above Paddy, apart from being obviously an amazing goalkeeper, he would quite literally tell you what to do at short corners. He say, "Put your stick on the line," and the ball would hit your stick. He say, "Put your stick in the air," and the ball would hit your stick in the air because he would just read what they were doing and and be um, and just have that kind of understanding of, of what he was doing and be able to move people around. He also taught me a, a, a lot of defensive skills and, and kind of defensive positioning. But the, but the reason why and, and kind of why he takes the biscuit, um, he's probably the only goalkeeper that I know who will tackle people one-handed and then pass the ball up the board to forwards as a goalkeeper. Uh, and he did it quite a few times as uh, in training to current internationals who will remain nameless, um, saving them a little bit of embarrassment. So, yeah, so my, my goalkeeper will be Philip Noyce, the Czech international goalkeeper who I believe is now the Czech women's coach as well, just because of his unbelievable indoor skills, um, be able to kick the crossbar from a standing start um, and his ability to distribute the ball which not many with a stick, which not many other goalkeepers can do. Um, moving on from there, I've got uh, two defenders. I'll pick up two defenders and, and three kind of forward players. So um, out of my two defenders, um, again, most of most of these guys are, are through um, East Grinstead. So we were very lucky to have... Uh, Adam Seckle, who was a Australian international, big, big guy, big, big guy. You don't run through him. Um, very strong tackle on the boards, but I think the his kind of key skill was his, his corner flicking. He used to fl he flicked the ball so so hard, um, almost to the point where you would hope that the opposition just didn't bother defending corners because it was actually a danger to them um, in the end. So Adam Adam came over for uh, two years to East Grinstead. He played indoor and outdoor. His sister came over and actually ended up meeting his wife at East Grinstead and he's now moved back to Australia. So um, we'd have him on the left-hand side and then the right-hand side from Scotland is Niall Stott from uh, Dundee, I believe. Is that right? Correct, Imundo, that is correct. From Dundee. Um, <laughs> again, like when I first joined the club, obviously coming to a, a club like East Grinstead, huge kind of indoor pedigree. And he taught me a lot of kind of a lot of the, the, the kind of finer details and, and little tricks that you can play with. Unbelievable on the boards. Um, lots of different tricks, kind of sticks through legs, handles, gloves, all sorts, all the kind of tricks that you might not necessarily know, uh, know a kind of skills that you can use. Um, and also just an incredibly skilled incredibly skilled player who who kind of turned up for the big moments in East Grinstead and he, I think he must have won probably seven or eight indoor titles in a row with the club. Kind of that purple patch that, that we, we kind of experienced. Just to let you know, Dundee Wanderers never trust a, trust a Taysider. 
<laughs> and so I, 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 say. <laughs> I, I do know the stops very well. And I'd rather have them on my team than and trust them on my team than have them on my team. So kind of, uh, yeah, moving forward. So I've kind of gone for just like a forward group um, rather than uh, kind of set positions because like the way we play, as Chris said, you just, you're, either, you're either in the back line or you're up front. Um, uh, so uh, first of all, another Scott would be um, Alan Forsyth. So purely just for kind of goal scoring ability. Um, I know that might be a popular vote. Um, so it, it's a bit of a weird one. Like he'll he'll kind of do really well without you really noticing. Um, indoor was obviously outdoor. He scores like, hands down the like the most goals like, in the English Premier League by an absolute distance. Um, like we had a game against Surbiton last year. We won seven five, and we thought we had a pretty good game against him. We thought we kept him really quiet until we worked out that he'd actually scored all five of their goals. Um, and that season, I think he's he scored half of Surbiton's sixty goals in eight games. Um, so just a prolific goal scorer um, uh, in the day. And obviously, he's, he's a highly skilled hockey player anyway, but just purely um, kind of for his for his goal scoring uh, from from that point of view. Scottish hockey, reckon that he's world-class. Would, would you agree? <laughs> define world-class and define the position. In terms of being in the D, um, in terms of kind of getting a forward, uh, playing against a forward who... Um, who can just get a shot off and just get something at goal that just goes in every single time, then yes, I'd say he's probably like the best player that I've played against um, kind of with a ball and a stick in the D. Like there's, there's other players who have obviously very good goal scorers. Like Sam Ward, for example, is a very good goal scorer. He's just always in the right place. So it's, it's, it's always seems to be him who's, who's knocking in on the far post or, or in front of the goalkeeper getting a tip. Whereas Alan Forsyth is, is kind of the person you, you feed the ball in the D and he, he, somehow gets a shot off that goes in the goal um so from like yeah from that point of view yeah absolutely uh, agreed like in terms of his goal scoring ability just well just look at his stats i mean they're just they're just ridiculous and then obviously hopefully he has some he has obviously he's not had a bit of a run in the, in the gb side because i know he, he didn't for a couple of years so hopefully he can then um kind of get those goals up for gb as well as scotland at the same time who's next Who's next? Uh, next up, so um, very lucky with these greens to play in a lot of indoor competitions in Europe with uh, having been champions of Europe. Um, and I think uh, for me, uh, going back to those kind of minor nations that you don't necessarily see outdoor, but you see a lot of indoor, uh, would be Michael Korper. So Michael Korper is an Austri um, Austrian uh, Austrian forward who... Um, uh, who plays for Harvester Huda. So I think we're, we're very lucky. I think I don't know if it's British, but definitely English. With a we we basically ranked the highest English ever indoor side twice over our time, um, and we have uh, we managed to play Harvester Huda at Harvester Huda in the indoor semi final. And Michael Corper for me was was kind of like their best player, and again another unbelievable goal scorer. Um, short corners were which just wasn't fair so there, there was one where I'm coming onto the near post in the in the short corner and the ball's in the goal before I've even got around the post um I, I didn't even see it I've never seen a ball flick so hard um so for me Michael Corper would be that next player um again he's played for years and years and years in the Bundesliga in Germany quite often his top scorer both indoor and outdoor but you never hear of him because he's one of the so-called minor outdoor um, minor outdoor nations but he's obviously had this success from the indoor World Cups and, and Europeans now so yeah he would be the one for me and then finishing up the lineup um, is another another person from D another another start as well so um, Ross who plays at East Grinstead with us as well Ross starts so um, I've known Ross for kind of 10-15 years now 
a fantastic indoor player. He, he, he steals the ball off of you when you're not expecting. Um, the only player I've seen actually shave tackle someone indoor cleanly, get the ball, not get blown up for any fouls or anything along those lines. Incredible uh, eye for goal as well. He scores from places that he has no right from scoring from um, and has been instrumental in, in our club success over the last kind of um, 10 to 15 years. And obviously together as the Stock Brothers always do very well, um, whether on the pitch or sitting in the Simbim together, as they have done at times. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, so so for me, yeah, Ross Ross has been instrumental in what we've done and, and obviously a great friend and, and, and a fantastic indoor hockey player and, and kind of servant of the club of East Grinstead. Uh, well, being that Ross Stott has been instrumental in helping me get this series uh, up and running, how much has he actually paid you to say? <laughs> yeah, no, no, he hasn't. He hasn't hasn't paid me anything. It's just all been drinks and uh, drinks and beers, basically. Uh, you're in debt to him, then? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> always in debt to him. Yeah, that is quite a strong Scottish team, really. Uh, it is, yeah. Well, I've always been told stories about how you play the Scottish League up on, because um, they always used to play a lot of ice hockey, they play the Scottish League up on an ice rink, don't you? You put boards over the top of an ice rink on Friday night and then you play Saturday, Sunday and take them up on Sunday night. Yeah, it's actually really funny because I actually went to the same schools as Stotts um, and obviously Wanderers, so I know them quite well. And uh, my family is a really big ice hockey family um, and the Stotts obviously played you know, Niall played um, for the Dundee Tigers, I'm pretty sure it was. So, yeah, there was always that, like, it's just so funny how the hockey world and that world are quite closely linked in Dundee. And then you're right, so in Paisley, the Lagoon Centre, we actually used to play England quite regularly. Every Christmas, I remember, we used to play, like, some cat matches. And um, I don't know if the men used to come as well now, because it was quite a while ago, I can't remember. But, yeah, that was the Paisley Pirates ice hockey team used to play there, but they used to cover it and use it as an indoor venue and it's now actually an indoor venue the club teams in Glasgow um, the rink the ice rink is now gone um, but it has it has held its um, title of indoor hockey venue so Simon who would you have as your coach being that Philip Noiser is currently coaching in the women's game uh, would, you, would you pick him as a player coach uh, tricky. I mean, we, we've had some, like, we've been really lucky at East Queensland. Like, we've got a really, really good kind of like history of of being successful. And we've had quite a lot of um, kind of former players come through. So I, I've only, I've never really had Noisa as a coach and obviously it'd be a very good candidate. So in, in the last couple of years, we've had, um, uh, we've had uh, Chris Faust, who's the Austrian uh, women's coach, actually, who's come across and, and done uh, work with us. Um very interesting bloke with some some interesting phrases and, and ideas uh, sometimes lost in translation but brilliant brilliant guy and and, and has taught even kind of being a little bit older now has, has kind of taught me a lot of um a lot of different things and, and different ways to look at uh, stuff with the indoor game um and and obviously at east green said richard organ has been there as as long as pretty much as long as the club has been there as well with his book of secrets uh, of how to play the indoor game um so so for me like it might be a bit of a cop out but it might be a combination of the two like the the, the for me it's uh, east Princess, so we've always had kind of one vocal coach and one kind of like quite behind the scenes coach um and, and whether that's been when i first got there kind of scott ashdown 
a former player or or that's been Chris Faust who's been very vocal in the last couple of years um, but but yeah like Richard Organ has always been kind of that quiet influence um, behind the scenes and uh, you're always, always passing on his, his kind of tips and secrets to, to indoor success so I think kind of having to kind of force a decision I think I'll probably have to go with Richard Organ. Hoping to get Chris Faust onto the show actually. The most positive. He's so positive. He's so, he's come to, I think there's been some just coaching networks. He's been at some of the Scotland women's stuff. Um, yeah, very positive. Lovely, lovely man. Very giving with his time as well. He mm. was on the coaching series. Very, very knowledgeable guy. Very, very knowledgeable. And I think, I think like the key thing with, with Chris is that he, he wants the game to get better. He's not necessarily, obviously he's, he's fussed about his teams winning and doing well, but actually in the grand scheme of things, he actually wants hockey to improve. And the, and the more people he can teach about that, um, the better. So, so obviously he came over to us uh, two years ago um, and was, I think, A, shocked as most Germans slash Austrians are that, uh, sorry, he's German, uh, but most Germans that actually English people can play indoor hockey. That's the first thing they have to get over. Um, and it's not just something that we kind of dabble in. Um, but he was there the whole, like the whole kind of league weekends. He was talking to guys that he knew, kind of talking them through things with his his whiteboard and his, his counters on, on his whiteboard, showing them different ways in which to play. Um, and he brought a whole different dynamic to to kind of, uh, what we were doing, showing us video from when he was um, coaching in Switzerland, his Austrian teams, um, everything on those lines. I think he, he's just so keen for the game just to improve rather than kind of keeping all his ideas to himself. So we have for Simon Faulkner's dream team, indoor sides, Philip Neusser of the Czech Republic in goal, Adam Seckel of Australia, Niall Stott of Scotland, and then a rotating front three of Alan Forsyth and Ross Stott, both of Scotland, and Michael Corper of Austria, coached by Richard Organ. The Half Court Press is on social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Becky Ward, your turn now. So, goalkeeper, let's start there. Yeah, I've been really lucky, actually, through my club and Scotland career to play with Carmen Dow um, in goal. And it was interesting listening to Simon about his goalkeeper because that is exactly what Carmen's skill set. People are in shock when she tackles them upright when they're trying to run past her with her stick and then will proceed then to as you say, kick the ball down the boards from within the D. Um, really aggressive goalkeeper comes out, gets full use of, you know, the boards and the corners of the D. So obviously we, eh, we're we always checking to see where the D runs to on an indoor court we play because it obviously changes the kind of di- dynamics of her game. And yeah, just really, really experienced. She's, you know, had the accolade of player, eh, sorry, goalkeeper of the tournament. And I actually can't remember how many competitions that I've played in in her with um, and obviously just really really experienced in the indoor game um, and then as as you mentioned earlier as well obviously Amy Gibson repping Scotland and um, playing at Club Ander Alster really nimble goalkeeper probably learned a lot from Carmen I don't think she'd maybe mind me saying that um, when they've obviously been through 
and done, you know, in Scotland set up together. I mean, I actually love playing with Carmen, so I think I'd probably have to go with with Carmen as as an indoor keeper. I was obviously thinking about Aisha McFerrin from Ireland. Obviously, just I don't know what what our indoor games like, but that you know, twenty eighteen World Cup, lot of penalty shootouts to take Ireland through. So I thought that might actually transfer quite well into to the indoor game. But I'm going to stick with Carmen. I think Carmen Dow. I think she probably deserves it after after all those years. Defenders. So I've went for Jana Müller-Wieland from Germany. I think she's a class act, really composed, good, really good distributor, captain of the Germans team. And I think that that in an indoor game, that ability to communicate and organise is probably going to come in really, really handy. So I'd probably be throwing her in there. Emily Dark for Scotland. Again, amazing distribution skills, long balls down the board, very strong in the tackle as well. For a tall girl, does so well to get her left hand on the ground <laughs> and stop people coming through. Uh, and her penalty corner attack threat, which I know we discussed a bit earlier, is, you know, really, really amazing. And it was great to see in domestic hockey here, she literally can sling the ball anywhere, high, low. And I think the keepers know where she's going to go. Um, and she still puts the ball in because the pace on the ball is just ridiculous. Um, and it was great to see when we actually did go to European level, um, she is actually able to to kind of step up to that pressure and still score goals. So I'm going to throw Emily Dark in there, and I'm I'm caught between three because there's a there's one of the Ukrainian ladies, and I really struggle. Um, Rose, um, I can't pronounce her first name very well. Yevhenia. Um, and again, it's just their distribution skills. I remember we went to play in, it was in the A division. It wasn't her, but um, one of the other Ukrainians. And we obviously have set up our press. We spoke about them, watched their videos. Um, and someone had watched about them before and thought, they've actually not played the way we've seen them play before. So they were distributing from kind of like standard position, um, so which we'd set up for. And obviously <laughs> we were like, what happens if she moves though and starts maybe trying to distribute from here? Oh, no, no, no. Like, they've not been doing that all tournament. Like, don't worry about it. And literally, we're in the middle of the game and they move to this formation. And you actually wonder how the ball is getting right into in behind your whole team. These The slider skill in the women's game is still, you know, so highly effective. So if I'm going to be pushed from a, two defenders, I'm going to go with Jana Miller-Vieland and I'm going to go with Emily Dark. Front three, again, I just kind of grouped them together because I think it's so interchangeable, isn't it? Svetlana Irishina from Russia <laughs> um, is an absolute class act. <laughs> How are you spelling that name? S-V-E-T-L-A-N-A. And surname, I think it's E-R-O-S-H-I-N-A. I think she was... I think she's a fairly young and again her actual like individual skills and close skills her hands are unreal um and although I've gave Carmen my goalkeeper slot when we were playing against her um I remember thinking we've got her she's in the corner and the the ball was literally as you say Simon in the back of the net 
Um, and you're like, how are you doing that? You literally think you've got them pinned in using the boards and they got they get free. So yeah, I, I'm gonna throw throw her in there. Um, I think scored tons of goals in our Europeans. Um, I know it wasn't top flight, but yeah, amazing to watch. It's just, yeah, class. Um, Lisa Altenberg, um, 2018, obviously winning gold medalist from the World Cup, got player of the tournament. Um, just, again, really silky, but gets the indoor game as well, reads the game really well, closes down really well. Um, don't think I, I'm, I'm not saying too much. I've just... <laughs> these are him going with um and then again stephanie walt uh, walty or Valti, i'm not sure how you pronounce it one of the swiss swiss captain we played against them many many times at our club competitions the loveliest person as well ever and again really really threatening penalty corner attack i mean i remember watching quite a close game we were actually hosting in dundee and pressurized situation she will just step up and score that penalty corner when you need her to. Again, really, really experienced. Um, so I threw her in there. I'm pretty sure she was definitely the club team captain. Uh, I would imagine she's the Swiss team, so I think a lot of their club team play as their national team, um, which obviously, yeah, going to do pretty well, even in world-level world competition. Who have you got coaching? Yeah, it's quite an interesting one. I would always be so interested to go and experience coaching from, you know, Russia, Ukraine, a Belarus coach. I think that would be really, really fascinating to see what they would think of us and our our, our style of play and our skill set, because I always find them all so skillful. And yeah, OK, we've got a couple of girls in Scotland and who can as I say, distribute the ball, but I think feel every one of them could. I actually hadn't picked a coach, so I'm now really... <laughs> I'm now struggling. Um, I learned a lot from Alan Law, so he now coaches out in Syracuse. I'm pretty sure he probably played the Stots back in the day. Um, and Ian Strachan had been our club coach um, at Dundee Wanderers and did Scotland stuff for nearly the whole, for my whole time playing the indoor game so if I was going to be pushed again I would probably pick Strachan I think he's got you know an eye for it and was you know really pushed us for a club team to obviously win the league for the first time ever but playing a completely different system so luckily enough that he comes with the Scotland team and he he learns a lot from the other other nations and what they do and was able to kind of instruct us on how to play it which was massively successful for Dundee Wanderers um, winning the title you know I don't even know how many times we've won it now, multiple occasions. So I, I would say Ian, but sorry for not doing my homework. <laughs> so for the women's team, we have Carmen Dow in goal, in the uh, Jana Müller-Wieland of Germany, Emily's, Emily Dark of the, the Team Scotia, Svetlana Iwashina of Russia, Lisa Altenberg of Germany, Stephanie Walty of Switzerland, coached by Ian Strachan. To go alongside Philip Neusser of the Czech Republic, Adam Seckel of Australia, Niall Stott of Scotland, Alan Forsyth and Ross Dott of Scotland, and Michael Cooper of Austria, coached by Richard Organ. 
The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts and interviews. This is the interesting bits. This is where you read together, pick an equally amazing team. I, I think we've actually, you know, I mean, this is great for me as a Scot because I reckon we could have a whole, a whole, <laughs> a full Scottish team here without, uh, well, you know. going to guarantee getting players in the, in the mixed team to make sure they're Scottish. I'm trying to play to the, play to the audience. <laughs> Uh, very cheeky. Goalkeeper, who are we going with? Philip Noyser or Carmen Dow? So, I don't know. Well, see, Philip, Philip Noyser probably played, uh, I think he played uh, a number of years in Austria. Um, he played a number of years in, in England purely because he loved the Super Sixes. Like, for no other reason, he, he some of the sometimes he would, he wasn't actually too fussed about the league, but it was still kind of keep teams out the back of the net. But he used to come over, especially for... Uh, like the English league and and love of the game and and I think it's been kind of one of the the top indoor goalkeepers um, in the world uh, indoor over kind of a 10, 12, 15 year span or whatever it was so I'm just trying to sell him to be honest and see if you can kind of take a bite on it yeah and and like I said before take take the ball off of a player one-handed and then using his stick chuck it up the boards to one of the forwards and off we go again but yeah he was instrumental in, in kind of when I first got to the club and making sure that we we continue went to Europe and and we had a chance to to medal in Europe in, in the A division, which is kind of unheard of for an English team. Becky, what do you think? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um I think Carmen actually has never had that experience of playing um abroad or going abroad and just learn all her hockey through what she's learned in Scotland. And I think that is actually something to be, you know, really kind of proud of, and that's an achievement in itself. To get all those accolades as well at European level. I mean, I feel like I'm actually going to stand my ground on Carmen because um, the skill set's so similar. Um, and again, like that, instrumental in European hockey. You need a good goalie when you're going to play these these top teams. So no, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna hold my ground on my goalkeeper. Uh, well, all I'll say is, could she could she sink a bottle of red wine the night before um, an indoor league weekend and still kind of play very very well? I mean, that was that was his skill at East Grinstead on the Saturday night before the Sunday games, as he would sink a bottle of red wine and wake up the next morning and be absolutely fine. Well, Carmen's more of a wicked drinker, I would say, a <laughs> wicked tickle her fancy, so a stroppedo perhaps. But she uh, also very could play very well fatigued because she is. I'm going to just say it, but she probably hates this, um, crime scene investigator. So always on call if there's any crimes, you know, she was she was ready. So very intelligent lady. <laughs> this, this is meant to be a hockey podcast, right? Uh, it is, we're drinking and jobs, day jobs. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, th- I think we might be a bit of an impasse in this one. I've now got to adjudicate. Now, tactically speaking, 
if one of you wanted to insist on having a, a, a male or female forward or outfield player, then this is the goalkeeper is normally the person that you pass on. Yeah, the issue is in indoor hockey, a goalkeeper is kind of, I mean, you're, it's probably the first name in your team. Well, obviously, you normally only have one or two, but it's it's kind of the first the first uh, key piece of the puzzle in terms of when you're, you're kind of putting your team together. It's always been really important to us at East Grinstead, and we've been like, really lucky to have really good ones. Why don't we come back? Let's come back to the goalkeeper. And then it might be an easy decision of, of kind of whether it needs, needs to be male or female at the end. Right, let's do that. So that's a cop out, I know, but we'll come back to that one and make the decision a bit let's, easier. Let's, let's, let's see how, the, how it lies. We, we can always swap people in and out as we come to it. Now, outfield, I'm doing it generally throughout the team, the mixed gender. So if you want to have two two male defenders and then, then that's fine. No, I, then have, I, I, uh, well, to be, honest, like, to be honest with you, like, I would, like, I think Mullavilan's class, like indoor, outdoor, I think, she, I think she's brilliant. And I don't know how old she is but she's been around forever so she'd actually get I think she'd actually get my vote to be in there and obviously been to kind of multiple multiple Olympic Games indoor World Cup titles indoor Europeans uh, as well uh, from that point of view obviously Germany is kind of like perennial winners so she'd more than happily get my vote for, for that for that team straight away Becky? That's very kind <laughs> <laughs> Who are your defenders? Remind me. So I had um, Adam Seckle uh, from Australia um, and Noel Stop. I mean, see, this is when it gets tough, isn't it? Because I'm like, well, I'll I'll take Niall Stott in my team because Yana's going to keep the cool head, isn't she? She's going to keep everyone organised and do what's needed to be done and probably settle down Niall if, if needs be. And he's got those skills at the back as well. You can you can have yeah. a you can have a bit of a, a run down the right boards and see what you can do. Who are we having on the left of the of the front row? I think I think the the kind of the one I know obviously I'm trying to play some audience here, but I think the one I'd have the probably strongest opinion about would probably be actually having um Ross in that front that front three, either in the middle or on the left is where he, he kind of normally plays for us. Uh, like I said before, like fantastic, like he puts ball in where he has no right to. I mean, he scored two from the baseline over the six foot two French keeper uh, last time in Europe, um, within about two minutes of each other. Um, I, and and actually, like kind of the thing I think that's most underrated about him is actually his defensive work. He just steals the ball off of you every single time to, to the point now where even in training, like, I don't even bother going anywhere near him with the ball, either passing or dribbling with the ball. So. Yeah, so for me, like uh, my vote uh, either in the middle or, or the left up front would would definitely be Ross. Becky, I'll I'll give you Ross, and now I'm thinking who I'm who I'm going to sacrifice from a front line. I'm going to hold. I'm going to try and hold on to uh, though uh, Lisa Altenberg because I think again she's just so nifty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even in the outdoor game as well, I think she's class. Um, and I think that's great to see that transferable like indoor to outdoor player. Um, and she still is, you know, really, really key. And scores goals outdoor, um, scores for fun. So she would be my push for a holder on on in that front front line. Yeah, Probably more of more of more of more of a more of a forward. Who would we play on the right? Yeah, mm -hmm. so I've got between Aldo and Michael Corper. Depends what you kind of want, really. Like, uh, if you're talking kind of like kind of pure corner specialist, then like from from my two, you'd have um, 
Corpa in there. And then if you just want someone who's just going to put the ball in the back of the net from everywhere and anywhere, then it'll obviously be Alde. I mean, it just depends what what kind of what kind of person you want in that last position. But from like what you were saying, like some of those some of those girls that you've played against with lots of vowels in their names, for example, uh, like they, <laughs> they they seem they seem like they they've kind of got got the skill set to to produce something a little bit special. Yeah, and I think for excitement, I'd be going with Svetlana again if I was having to, because I feel like, as you say, the, the men's game is so exciting to watch. Like you, you watch a lot of it. I know I've maybe not seen these guys play, um, but I think yeah, the, the places that they do shoot from um, and are bold enough to go for, and some of the goals is really exciting to watch. So, so Becky. If we go for Svetlana Iwashina of Russia, in that, yeah. design, that means by default, we get Philip Noisa in goal. Are you happy with this? I think um, I think I've done not well, not too bad there. Um, so I, I think I could concede. So f- fundamentally, this is a question of, do we drop Alan Forsyth? Philip Noyce in goal. That's Simon's players. That's that's my players. <laughs> um, that is my players. Uh, to be honest with you, like, like, like we said before, like the the goalkeeper is is so fundamental to everything that happens indoor because they're not just standing in the goal, just getting balls hit at them. Like they're so they're so active and interactive and, and kind of fundamental to everything that you do. Then yeah, although it would be nice to have someone who you don't notice scoring five goals and you think he's had a quiet game, then then yeah, like. If, if, if I had to build my team, that's that's like the reason why I started with the goalkeepers. That's because they're such a such a key part to to that team. So when it came down to it, then yes, if if I'd be happy to drop out for for uh, Philip Noyce, then so be it. So we now have the decision of who to coach: Richard Organ or Ian Strachan. I feel like I was not prepared enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Although be... after all the chat, I'm like Chris Faust, get him in to get coach the team. I actually <laughs> think that would be my go-to. Um, a complete outsider. I'd like to see what you could do with that group of players. I think also, I was also going to suggest. I was also going to suggest the same thing. But having thought about like so, like we said before, like Chris has done so much work with um, both men's and women's uh, indoor team. I think I think like I said before, I think he's currently the the Austrian women's indoor head coach, and I think he's kind of pulled them up from being like one of those yo-yo teams that were before to now being um, kind of pushing for those medal rounds in European competition. So, yeah, although it's the complete opposite of what we said about picking a coach than picking one for for both sides. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, like Chris has got such a, like we said before, a passion for the game and and kind of wants everyone to do well. So like, who better to coach it than the person who can kind of promote both the men's and women's game? So there we have it. In goal, we have Philip Neusser of the Czech Republic. Fullbacks, Jana Müller-Wieland of Germany and Niall Stott of Scotland. Up front, we have, on the left, Ross Stott of Scotland. Through the middle, Lisa Altenberg of Germany and on the right, Svetlana Iwashina of Russia. Coached by the German-born Austrian women's coach, Chris Faust. Simon Faulkner and Becky Ward, thank you so much.
Thank you. Thanks. This has been a Half Court Press production by Teo McLeod. If you have enjoyed this show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook.